Mai. Good morning. This is Judith Lay welcoming you to Manx Radio and to the podcast of this week's edition of At Your Service. Manx Radio. At noon last Friday, another piece of Manx history was made when, in a very joyful celebration, the Roman Catholic Church in Douglas became the Cathedral Church of St Mary of the Isle, co cathedral of the Archdiocese of Liverpool. On the programme today, I bring you highlights from the service and thoughts from two priests with special links to St Mary's. Co-cathedrals are rare in the Catholic Church anywhere, and our co-cathedral is the only one in the British Isles. A co-cathedral can exist when a single diocese spans two distinct civil jurisdictions, which is what we have here. The Roman Catholic Church on the island is part of the Archdiocese of Liverpool, and after Douglas was awarded city status as part of the late Queen Elizabeth's Platinum Jubilee in June 2022, Douglas City Council approached St Mary's Parish priest, Monsignor John Devine, to ask if the city of Douglas could have a cathedral, and so set in motion a long process that ended when Pope Francis gave permission for the church to become a cathedral. And so the service on Friday began when the Pope's personal representative, Spanish Archbishop Miguel Maury Buendia, accompanied by Archbishop Malcolm McMahon, leader of the Archdiocese of Liverpool, knocked on the closed church doors, which were then opened by Monsignor John Devine, together with the Dean of the Anglican Cathedral in Peel, the very Reverend Nigel Godfrey. Dean Nigel and Monsignor John then led the Pope's representative, the Archbishop, and his chapter of canons from Liverpool Cathedral to their places around the new Archbishop's chair that will remain permanently fixed in the new cathedral and carries engravings incorporating Manx and Archdiocesan symbols, including a Celtic cross, the three legs of man, the Tower of Refuge, and the waves of the Irish Sea. And, of course, there was great singing from St Mary's excellent choir and a packed church, followed by words of welcome from Archbishop Malcolm McMahon. Tinwald, the Chief Executive of Douglas City Council, and the other civic guests. 
I'm grateful for the presence of the Dean of St. German's Anglican Cathedral in Peel, together with representatives from the Methodist Church and our other ecumenical partners. And most of all, I welcome each and every one of you. So let us pause then, thanking God for our rich heritage and looking forward to the future with hope in God's promises. After a short time of prayer, the rite of installation began. Reverend Canon Aidan Prescott, one of the chapter of canons, read the decree announcing the inauguration of St Mary of the Isle as a co-cathedral to the Liverpool Metropolitan Cathedral of Christ the King and instructing the Pope's representative to install the Archbishop in his new cathedra or seat. So Archbishop Miguel Mauri Buendia led Archbishop Malcolm to his new seat in his new cathedral with these words. In the name of Pope Francis, Bishop of Rome, I, Miguel Mauri Buendia, by divine providence, Apostolic Nuncio of Great Britain, install you, Malcolm Patrick McMahon, Metropolitan Archbishop of Liverpool, into this new Episcopal Chair of the Cathedral Church of St. Mary of the Isle at Douglas in the Isle of Man. May this new Cathedral Church be a symbol of unity and communion within your local church, which encompasses the Isles of Man and the city and surrounding territories of Liverpool. May it be a testimony to the faith present in this place and a symbol of hope for future generations that Christ is truly King. In the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. simple rite of installation over, Archbishop Malcolm, accompanied by the Dean of Liverpool Cathedral, Provost Anthony O'Brien, and the Dean of the new co-cathedral, Monsignor John Devine, then welcomed, one by one, representatives of island churches of other denominations, together with the President of Tinwald, the Mayor of the City of Douglas, and other elected representatives and officials. Two passages from the Bible were chosen for this service. The first, from Paul's letter to the Ephesians, read by a parishioner of St. Mary's, Doreen Cadu. A reading from the letter of St. Paul to the Ephesians. You are no longer aliens or foreign visitors. You are citizens, like the saints, and part of God's household. You are part of a building that has the apostles and prophets for its foundation and Christ Jesus himself for its main cornerstone. As every structure is aligned on him, all grow into one holy temple in the Lord, and you too, in him, are being built into a house where God lives in the Spirit. 
The second Bible passage is from the Gospel according to Luke and was read by the very Reverend Nigel Godfrey, Dean of St German's Anglican Cathedral in Peel. And probably the most enthusiastic singing in the entire service was from the children of St Mary's Catholic Primary School. Jesus came to Nazareth, where he had been brought up, and went into the synagogue on the Sabbath day, as he usually did. He stood up to read, and they handed him the scroll of the prophet Isaiah. Unrolling the scroll, he found the place where it is written, The Spirit of the Lord has been given to me, for he has anointed me. He has sent me to bring the good news to the poor, to proclaim liberty to captives, and to the blind new sight, to set the downtrodden free, to proclaim the Lord's year of favour. He then rolled up the scroll, gave it back to the assistant, and sat down. And all eyes in the synagogue were fixed on him. Then he began to speak to them. This text is being fulfilled today, even as you listen. the Liverpool Archdiocese, Archbishop Patrick McMahon, preached the sermon. It's a wonderful occasion today, certainly in the life of the Catholic community, but hopefully and more importantly in many ways in the life of the citizens of the city of Douglas and the people of the Isle of Man. So this building, which was opened in 1859, represents the joys and the sorrows of successive generations of people who came here to worship in faith. Their prayers have soaked into the walls. And the prayers of today's parishioners continue to do so. The St. Mary's will continue to be a place of welcome to all who care to come through its doors. Christians, people of faith, of other faiths, and those who don't believe anything much at all. This is a place for everyone. So cathedral status for St. Mary's alongside the Metropolitan Cathedral of Christ the King in Liverpool opens the door for the distinctive faith tradition on the island to be shared with the rest of the archdiocese. It's also a permanent reminder to the people on the island that they are part of a much greater 
and universal worldwide church. As I said, I'm, I'm surprised to be here. I suppose every bishop would like a new cathedral, especially when he doesn't have to pay for it. And as surprised as I may be, I cannot be more surprised than St. Macold, who washed up on these shores, literally, over 1,500 years ago. St. Mac Macold must have been quite fed up to have been set adrift in a boat because he had been repentant, he had become a Christian, he had set aside his previous life for being a pilot, or at least a brigand, and St. Patrick said he now had to do penance. What a disappointment after going through all that conversion process. And he set him adrift, as we all know, in a boat. I suppose it was a coracle or a cola, one of those boats made of animal skins and, and, and made fine wooden, wooden frame, pushed him off from the shore. And he was a prince and a brigand, and he was alone in a boat, and he was pushed out into the Irish Sea. I have many memories as a child, my father's from Ireland, of crossing the Irish Sea on our holidays. I don't think we ever had a single straightforward crossing. We were always sick, seasick. There was a, it was always a choppy sea. Not like today, where it is calm, beautiful, just for us. But he landed on the northwest shore of the Isle of Man, as you know better than I do. It was interesting because even though he'd been through this process of, of being accepted and rejected, of being reconciled and then having to repent, he did not become embittered. He was an extraordinary man, Macaulay. And he soon set up her himself in a cave somewhere, which is what you did if you were a Celtic monk, found a cave and he set himself up and gained a wonderful reputation for holiness. There was already a Christian foothold on the island, two other disciples of Patrick. Their Latin names would be Romulus and Conindrus. They were here, but it was on their death that Macold was chosen to be, by the people, to be their bishop. It's interesting, that's how bishops were chosen in those days, by the people not by somebody on high. The image of St. Macold all at sea as he struggled to control his fragile skin-covered boat without oars is a powerful metaphor for our world today. The history of faith on this island, as I said, goes back much further than 1859 when St. Mary's was founded the fragility of St. Macold adrift in his boat without oars is equally valid. It's an equally valid symbol for the community of believers in today's volatile and changing world. If we reflect on the situation in our own countries, in the Ukraine, in the Holy Land, we are drawn to St. Macold 
and his deep faith. We don't have that many historical facts about him, but we do know some important things from his legend. He was a man of faith, despite who, despite his dilemma, trusted that God was in charge. His experience of what must appeared as rejection by St. Patrick did not embitter him, rather the opposite. He was a charitable man, full of forgiveness and kindness, and that's why he was loved by the Manx people. He brought the love of Christ to others. That's an example for us in this day and age when we are conflicted with wars, where we're all feeling the effects of so many powerful forces in the world, economically and other, that we should remember that it's love that overcomes these serious issues which divide and destroy. On my many visits to the Isle of Man, this is my fifth time this year, I've been deeply impressed by the strong relationships between Christians. Today's world, as I keep saying, is very different from the world of 1859. And perhaps the biggest is that Christians of different denominations are comfortable in each other's company and take for granted that we are better together. We follow the same Christ and we're proud to recognize Saint Magold as a father in faith. In Gaza, there are 1,000 Christians. 136 of them are Catholics. And those 1,000 Christians have gathered in the Catholic compound in Gaza City to be together. There's not much in the way of division between one version of Christianity and another in that situation. They are bonded together by love. And that's something that we should always remember when we step forward as we do side by side on our ecumenical journey. We're honored, of course, also to be co-workers and collaborators with our civic bodies on the island in creating a better world, especially for the disadvantaged and the vulnerable. The approach from the city council to St. Mary's for St. Mary's to be elevated to cathedral status is evidence of this. And I can't tell you how flattered we were of the Catholic community to be chosen for this honor. But let me finish with a word of caution. Buildings are important, but the people are more important. The people of Israel all were always on the move. They worshiped in a tent. And when they settled, they wanted a permanent building. King Solomon built them a temple. But the Lord warned them against it. Maybe they had lost something at that point. And after repeated attempts to build and rebuild the temple in Jerusalem, so it was destroyed by different conquering situations, they gave up on the idea. And they relied on the word of God, which has survived all our attempts to put God in his place. So the message is still clear. Even though buildings have come and gone, the word of God remains. 
and the Gospel account read today by Dean Nigel is a reading of the reading. It's a reading from the prophet Isaiah. It portrays a world which we all desire, and which we're all working towards, and which can only come about through the love of God working in us. And as it was read once again here today, on this day, Friday, the 3rd of November, 2023, we can once again say this text is being fulfilled even as you listen. Archbishop Patrick's sermon. In the time of prayer that followed, the Mayor of Douglas, Councillor Natalie Ann Byron Tier, prays for the Isle of Man. Reverend Dr. Janet Corlett, Chair of the Isle of Man District of the Methodist Church, prays for peace, and Patrick O'Hanlon from St. Mary, St. Joseph and St. Anthony's Parish Council prays for the future. President of Tinwald, the Honourable Lawrence Skelly, prays the Lord's Prayer in Manx Gaelic, and the music that follows needs no introduction. The Charles, Lord of Man, for the people of this nation and the people of Douglas City that the ancient faith of St. Macald may inspire our efforts to meet the needs of the vulnerable and the disadvantaged. Lord, hear us. For peace in our broken world, we pray for the people of Israel and Palestine, Ukraine and other areas of conflict, that revenge for the suffering of the innocent will not lead to further bloodshed and that justice may prevail. Lord, hear us. As responsible stewards of creation, we pray that the world our children and grandchildren inherit will be as beautiful and life-giving as the island we inhabit today. As lie down none locked in. Murtashin lie dosing Janny locked in an eye. As the least shinners will lack. Oak liberation by oak. Sanliats ariats. Why fear As the lull. Sunderbrack has the brack.
go in the peace of Christ. Thanks be to God. And with those words from Monsignor John Devine, who now adds the Cathedral Dean of Douglas to his titles, the service drew to a close. But no one was in any hurry to leave. There was plenty of time for refreshments and chatting, which is where I met Canon Philip Gillespie, who, as you'll hear, has a special connection to St Mary's. But he's also a member of the Chapter of Canons. So who better to ask, what is the Chapter of Canons? Who are they? And what is their purpose? Well, the idea of a chapter of canons was really to be a priest from around the archdiocese, not only to act as advisor to the bishop, but also, and perhaps far more importantly, to be a praying presence in the cathedral. From the Benedictine tradition, the idea of gathering together to read a chapter or a portion of the rule of Benedict every day, they would then reflect on the life of the monastery, the needs of the monastery. So in a way, the idea of the chapter of canons in a diocese is that they will meet together, pray together and reflect upon how the the needs of the diocese can be well fulfilled, better fulfilled and sometimes to recognise just the, 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 the very positive way in which they are being fulfilled already. Seeking to be a people who respond to the needs of others with the eyes of Christ, not just with how we think it should be done, but saying how can we remain ever so faithful, ever more faithful to the gospel. The prayer that the Archbishop said during the service reminded us of of people like Patrick and German, Macold and Kentigan, sometimes known better as St Mungo, who's buried in Glasgow. Kentigan is one of the secondary patrons of the Archdiocese. These people seem ever so far away historically, and you say, oh, well, yes, we're talking about 1,400, 1,500 years. And yet there is a real sense of continuity of prayer that has been offered in a particular place, be it this church or be it churches and keels throughout the island. Really a very important thing to recognise ourselves in that sense of continuity of prayer. Now, at the moment, you are the rector of the Beta College in Rome, and you've travelled probably the furthest of anybody in this church today to be here for this very special service. The Beta College, a college that trains older men entering the priesthood, men who've had some life experience, and that's what you're doing now. But before that, you were very much a part of priestly ministry here on the island as parish priest of St Mary's. Just remind us of the years that you were here. I was here 2011 to 2015. So it was only four years, but four very enriching years. I found the ministry on the island within the Catholic community, not only uh, in these three parishes around Douglas, so ourselves, St Joseph's in Williston and St Anthony of Padua in Onken, but also with being dean of the island, you had very close links with the other priests and the other communities. In fact, yesterday, since I was here on the island, I had the great joy of celebrating Mass at St. Patrick's in Peel with that community, because often when I come over in the summer, I'll, I'll be resident at, at Ramsey, but serve Peel as well. So it, it's really lovely to, to feel part, well, I mentioned before about continuity. It is a continuity, and over... 13 years now because it's nine years since I left Douglas that's been a very important blessing for my life. You made it very clear when you were leaving that you regarded the island as your home so coming back for a unique service how did you feel? 
a great sense of joy, great sense of pride, I think legitimate pride to sort of say, well, you've walked part of the journey with, with this community and indeed the, the Catholic community and other Christian communities on the island. And it, it was, it was a, a proud moment to see all those communities represented here joining together in prayer and giving thanks for, for that seed of faith once planted, which over these generations has flourished. This is a unique celebration, and being a co-cathedral is unique in the, in the British Isles. So I, I think a legitimate pride, but a, certainly great joy in being here. Member of the cathedral's chapter of canons, now rector of the Beda College in Rome, but still a popular figure here on the island. That was Canon Philip Gillespie. Another priest taking part in Friday's service also has happy memories of the years he spent as a young priest at St Mary's. He's Father John Hindley. So I was here when Canon Brendan Alger was parish priest and I was here between 1999 and 2006. So I was here for seven years. Am I right in thinking that this was your first curacy after ordination? I'd done one year in a parish in Toxteth in Liverpool and then I was asked to come over here. So I, an appointment I was delighted to take up. I guess your first parish is, is particularly special. Yes, certainly because I was only in my first parish for just a year. I think here kind of really felt like my first parish to me because of the welcome that was extended to me and and also being with Canon Alger who was so good you know he was a great parish priest you know just let me get on with things it was just a completely new experience and particularly in a different jurisdiction you know doing weddings over here was slightly different from doing them in the UK because of the paperwork and all that sort of thing so he was great so he let me get on with things but there was a great relationship you know with eating together and 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 that kind of sharing priesthood together. Now you left here and you went to be a parish priest back on Merseyside. Yeah. Did you feel a kind of an, a, a bit of a loneliness? When... I think certainly because that was kind of the first time in my life that I'd lived on my own because I'd, you know, been brought up in a family and then lived in Liverpool for the year and then came over here and lived with Brendan. So that was kind of a bit of an upheaval to living on your own and being in your house on your own and that sort of thing. But fortunately, I had um, people around me who were very supportive and priests who would, would meet up for deanery meetings and that kind of thing and have lunch and that sort of thing. And connections that you make with the lay community that supported church. Exactly. I mean, they are the people, you know, that are often constant in a parish. Priests come and go. And, you know, I was very blessed when I was in Wigan in particular and in Versacoli with people being so kind and welcoming and hospitable to me. So let's come to the service now. How did you feel watching all this taking place? Something that we could have never imagined. How did you feel? I think, you know, as the Archbishop said in his homily, he was surprised to be here. And I think there's that kind of element of surprise for all of us. But I just think pride, really. You know, one of the things you see on social media is that people have really taken a delight in this. And I think for me, one of the important things, because obviously I'm a priest of the Archdiocese of Liverpool and I'm not Manx, I'm from Southport. You know, obviously we have the Manx priest and Father Brian. But I think to be able to feel those bonds being strengthened between Liverpool and between the island, it's a great thing for the community. People are really taking pride in it. And I think that's a good thing. You know, we've all been through difficult times, COVID and all that kind of thing. And I think, you know, to be able to come together and take joy in something has been brilliant. Now, although you went away for, for quite a considerable amount of time, you still kept in touch with the island, retained your friends here, and, and you've come back here now in a role as, as prison chaplain. 
but you've come back with a great knowledge of everything right up to date with the island. Do you think there's a little bit of the island that gets under your skin wherever you go? Unquestionably. I mean, I, you know, was delighted to be able to listen to Manx Radio on the app and, and that sort of thing. And when I would go for my walk around for Zachley in, in the morning, I would be the person who would be phoning into Easy Squeezy or whatever. So I was John from Zachley. So definitely. And it's actually coming back as make me realise how great it is here and how blessed we are to be in this place. And I think we'd all agree with those words from Father John Hindley, once a priest at St Mary's and now just very recently returned to the island and working as a prison chaplain here. And that's where we must end our visit to the Cathedral Church of St Mary of the Isle, co-cathedral to the Metropolitan Cathedral of Christ the King in Liverpool, with just enough time left to take a look at our notice board. Next Saturday, the 11th of November, there'll be a Remembrance Concert at Selby Methodist Church with music by Crosby Silver Band. It starts at half past two. Admission is £10, payable at the door, with tea and homemade cakes served after the concert. No need to pre-book, everyone's welcome. And also next Saturday, the 11th, the Island Spirituality Network have another of their monthly meetings. It's in their usual venue, St John's Mill, from 10am until 1pm, and this month they've a very special guest. Malcolm Geit is a poet, singer, songwriter, Anglican priest, author and academic. He's a brilliant communicator with a great sense of humour, and this promises to be a really special morning. His topic is poetry and prayer. There's no need to book, just come along to St John's Mill on Saturday morning at 10 o'clock. There's an evening with Malcolm Guite also next Saturday, and that's at our retreat house, Tide of A, House of Life, at Ballawattleworth House on Tinwald Road in Peel. Now, you do need to book in advance for that, as space at Tide of A is limited. You can find all the details on the website, retreathouse.im, or have a chat with one of the team during office hours by ringing 609 299 609 299. And my thanks to Mrs Jill Qualtro, who reminds me that it's almost time for the Cranmer Prayer Book Reading Competition. It's being held on Saturday the 18th of November at St George's Church here in Douglas from 10am until 12 noon. Entries are invited from children in three age groups, under 11s, 11 to 14 and 15 to 18 years old. And to take part, each child or young person has to read a piece of their own choice taken from the Book of Common Prayer. Winners will be eligible to represent the diocese at the national finals that will be held in February next year at Hampton Court Palace in London. The competition is open to any children and members of the public are most welcome to come along and listen. Next Sunday, November the 12th, is Remembrance Sunday and there'll be church services and commemorations at war memorials all around the island where everyone will be made most welcome. Here on Manx Radio, we will, as usual, be bringing you special Remembrance Sunday programmes as well as two live broadcasts. At a quarter to eleven, we'll be live from the War Memorial on Douglas Promenade and in the afternoon at three o'clock, we'll broadcast the National Service of Remembrance live from St John's Church. But that's all that we have time for now. But I'll be back later in our virtual lounge tonight at nine with a mix of easy listening music, your requests and your dedications and lots more notice board news. And I'd love you to join me if you can. 
So, till whenever we meet again, this is Judith saying thank you for listening and I wish you and those you love a blessed and peaceful week and a very good morning. Station